I love it. That never gets old, does it? I don't know if you noticed that for the first time, I've seen it so many times, that the shortest guy when they're walking, when the garage door's going up, the shortest guy ducks his head down and all the six foot two guys just keep walking. It's like, I'd never hit my head on stuff, but whatever. Um, All right. Hey, kids, give your parents or give somebody a high five or maybe an air five. Yeah, next week, COVID doesn't exist. But um, anyways, kids, you guys can be dismissed to Kids Church. You're going to have a, a fun time there. And again, thank you so much for being here. But hey, if, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do this more of a devotional. Is that cool? Instead of, nobody wants to get preached at on Father's Day anyway, right? Um, it's more of a challenge to us and um, how good Father, uh, Father God is. And so we're going to talk about the power of example. We'll be in the book of Psalms. We're going to be in uh, chapter 23 and 25. But uh, let's start out with this. Father's Day can be a hard day for a lot of people. Uh, Mother's Day is usually seeming you know, a lot more happy and whatnot. But Father's Day can hit people a little harder. And so that might be you today where maybe you didn't have the dad that you wished you would have had it. Or you know, things haven't gone on in the family that you wished it would have happened in a positive way. Uh, but I don't want you to be discouraged. And I'm glad you're here. And here's what you need to know, that you have a Father in Heaven who loves you and desires to spend time with you like none other. That He's proud of you. He's proud of you for trying. Uh, and we get this, a lot of times we get our ideas of who God is by our earthly father. And that can be a dangerous thing, okay? Because if an earthly father wasn't there for you, wasn't loving or was always harsh, um, like Russ shared yesterday, you know, that... that the, some, some homes, you just can never be good enough. But God never looks at you as never good enough. God looks at you as good enough. That's why he sent his son. Okay? Not good enough in our sins, but good enough to send his son to die for. I mean, that's how important you are. Isn't that kind of a big deal that, that God would, would allow his son to be killed for you? Knowing all your mess-ups, all your mistakes. I mean, that's the value that God puts on you. And so, again, it, it is Father's Day, but the, the whole lesson today really is, is about the power of example. No matter what position you're in, you might be a single mom, um, that you're just doing the best that you can. And God is proud of you for that. Okay? So, let's get into this. Um, for the most part, because it's Father's Day, as, as goes the father, so goes the family. And that's by design. That God made it that way. We all know that God made Adam and Eve, put them in a garden. They had two kids. And what did one kid do to the other kid? Killed him. Killed him. I mean, because he got mad. He's like, he, you know, he had a better sacrifice than me. I just read the story the other day. And I was like, man, that's kind of violent. It's like the first family in, in the Bible that ends in murder. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So I don't know what your story is, but I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, and so, so God, again, deals with Cain, and he actually still loves him through what he did. He loves him through what he did to his brother. He dealt with it, but he still loves him. He still protected him. So it's kind of a fascinating story that God loves us despite uh, whether we think we deserve it or not. Amen. And that's a cool thing. And so that's what I want to, I want to talk about today is, is the love that God has for us. So for the most part, as goes the father, so goes the family. In other words, we're supposed to set the direction of where the family is heading. And if this starts with setting our own compass first, then we need to do that. Because our compass needs to be pointed in the right direction before we can lead anybody in the right direction. Right? I mean, that, that's really, really important that we do that. There was a noise in the back. Somebody knocked over a little table and the hand sanitizer spilled over. So there was no COVID in a three-inch area where the hand sanitizer actually landed on the carpet. Let's keep going. Um, we're good. All right. We're supposed to set the direction of where the family is heading. Um, again, if the dad doesn't, then moms, you need to. 
good examples. I could tell you many stories of growing up. Um, I grew up in a great home, as most of you know, but, but we went to church all the time, and there was men that I looked up to in our church. Sometimes dad says something, but if it comes out of somebody else's mouth, it means something a little more. Isn't that frustrating when you're the one talking? <laughs> you're like, and the youth pastor said, you're like, this is what Pastor Chase said. He's like, I've been telling you that for five years. Yeah, but it came out of a different mouth, so it means something. That's just life. We'll get over it. We're supposed to set the direction of where our family is heading, and it starts with me. It starts with my own compass. So to lead myself well. So Psalm 23, um, I'm going to actually, I, start, I was going to start in verse 2. I'm going to go back to verse 1. Because he's talking about Father. This is David uh, writing about God the Father. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting. He makes me lie down. You've been made to lie down in green pastures. Okay, I tend to, to not ask for help when I need something. But when I had my back surgeries, it was like I was made to lie down in green pastures. It was like, I can't do this. So can you? And it taught me how to be a better delegator, which isn't great. Uh, and you should have seen me at Costco when I had my back surgery because it had a five pound limit. Like after you know, a month, you can't lift more than five pounds. I'm at Costco and my wife's unloading the crate and I'm just standing there like a good supervisor. Like, I need to put that over on the other side of the trunk, babe. Because, and, and people were just kind of walking by going, who is this guy that's making his wife do all the work? And I'm like, no, I just had back surgery. Like, I'll show you the scar. Um, that's why I'm not helping her. But I don't think many people believed me. <laughs> Learning how to delegate. Sometimes we have to be made to lie down in green pastures because we don't take breaks the way that we should. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters. There are some men today that are beside some quiet waters, fishing, all right? Good for them. I hope they catch a big one and send me pictures, all right? They're still not winning prizes at the end of church. Um, okay. He leads me besides, beside quiet waters. It doesn't say he forces me, but he leads me. When's the last time you had quiet waters? If you're a parent of a newborn or a toddler, <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, that's why you need a break, whether it's you know, babysit or whatever. We need quiet waters in our life. It's in the quiet times that we can hear God talk to us. I would tell you, I'm going to just say it. None of you take the quiet time that you should at times. The times when you need quietness is, is oftentimes in times we can't find it. But you have to learn how to be led by quiet waters just to reset your brain, to reset yourself. Okay. He restores my soul. Okay, what does that mean by restores? God restores my soul. Okay, what needs restoration? Something that's broke. Okay, something that's broke. He restores my soul. In other words, we broke our soul. We are our soul when we sinned. Okay, we broke something. It doesn't say here that God condemns us. It doesn't say it doesn't say that God is mad at us. What's it say? He does. He he restores us. And as a parent, it's really important when our kids make mistakes, it's okay to discipline and it's right to discipline. We should discipline. We need to discipline. We have to discipline. Otherwise, they will be little tyrants, right? Or turn into big tyrants. But do you focus on restoration? Okay, it's easy to dole out the discipline, but the restoration is super important that when our kids make mistakes, that we understand, okay, the discipline has to be done, but I'm doing this so that we can restore you. And then you, then you get restored with that. My parents were really, really good at this. Um, I gave my dad lots of practice of spanking techniques. Um, that's why he was such a good softball player, because it's actually kind of the same swing. Uh, but back when I was a kid, spankings were legal and you wouldn't get turned in for it. Matter of fact, you would get turned in for not doing it. Like, you didn't spank your kid. Well, the cops show up at your house. Well, you didn't spank your kid. Did you see what your kid did? He needs a whooping. Now it's the opposite. Um, 
All right, but you're like, where did you grow up? In a good town, uh, a small town where everybody knew what you did and they all knew your dad and you, things were just found out. Now we have Facebook, things are found out. So kind of the same principle. Okay. He guides me in paths of righteousness. So on restoration, you need to know that God is always looking to restore broken relationships. Okay. Whether it's you and him or with other people, that's always his heart is restoration. And as parents, I think we can improve on that. Okay, we can improve on seeing through the eyes of our kids. Of, okay, why did they do what they did? Was it wrong? Yeah, but, but try to get into their heart. doesn't excuse it, but it does give you a good reason. But our heart needs to be restoration when, when something's broken. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he guides me. He doesn't force me. He, he guides me. What does a, a guide do? A guide simply shows you the way. Okay, what you do with that is up to you. Like a hunting guy can take you on a hunting trip. Okay, they can guide you, but your job is to do the hunting part of it. Okay, God guides us. And as parents, we are to guide our kids in the right way to go. For his, for his name's sake. When we take on the name of Christ and we, we accept God or Jesus as our Savior, all right, we're taking his name. And we need to live accordingly as the best we can. And then he says this, even though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. And I don't know what you're walking through today, but I'm sure most of you could tell me a story. Most of you could say, here's what I'm walking through, and it feels like the valley of the shadow of death. It is not fun. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not sure why it's happening, or maybe I do know why it's happening, but I still don't like it. You, everybody walks through a valley of the shadow of death at one point in their life. Some people walk through a lot. I've known some of you had just one of these years, like 2020. <laughs> it's going to be the greatest year ever. We're halfway through and we're like, can Jesus just come back? Because this kind of stinks, right? 2020 is, is like the year to not remember, right? And when we get a little older, if Jesus doesn't come back first, we're going to go, well, what, what happened in 2020? I have no memory. I have no recollection. Like, like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, when they have the three tunnels, and he's like, I have no recollection of this place. I think that's how it's going to be. In, in 2020, we get back and we're like, that was a crazy year, okay? I think it's a year that, that God's going to show us some things with 2020 vision spiritually, and I do believe that he's coming back soon. Okay? Matter of fact, Wednesday night, we're actually talking about the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast, so there's that. Um, so if you're interested in, in that thing, type of thing, show up Wednesday night in our adult Bible study. We're going to talk about it, and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about it, not what somebody thinks all right, here's what the Bible says about it. I'm just get some clarification. Uh, because I had some people be like, what if I take the mark of the beast and I don't know it? No, you're going to know it. Yeah. Right? There's no accidentally taking the mark of the beast. <laughs> ah, I got the mark of the beast. I didn't know. I just thought it was a tattoo. <laughs> it's not the mark of the beast. All right. We'll talk about that on Wednesday night. I will fear no evil. Why will we fear no evil? Because you are with me. It doesn't mean that things aren't bad. It doesn't mean that your reality isn't real. It doesn't mean that life doesn't hurt. But we can walk through it knowing that God is with us. Okay? And that's what some of you need to hear right now, that God is with you through what you're facing. I wouldn't fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I told first service, I said, the rod, the rod didn't comfort me when I was a kid. It's like, whenever I saw the rod, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, got caught. For me, it was I got caught. It wasn't why am I getting this. I knew why I was getting this. Okay? I, I, I got a lot of spankings as a kid. The Bible actually says that if you don't spank your kid, you don't love him. And I felt loved an awful lot as a child. And my parents were here for service, and, uh, and I thanked him publicly. Dad, thank you for spanking me. Right? I didn't like it at the time, but now I look back and I went, you did it because you loved me. 
And the one thing that my parents did, they did all, all kinds of things great, but the, but the one thing I know is that they disciplined me, but I also knew they loved me because they gave us a lot of encouragement as well. And so we have to have, be seen as a, a balanced parent, okay? Whether you're a single parent or you're parenting together, discipline and encouragement have to go together. They have to. You can't just encourage and never discipline. You will raise an entitled, spoiled brat if you do. If all you do is tell them that they're awesome, okay? I know you got the participant ribbon, but you should have got the blue ribbon because you really were better. No, they weren't. They just got beat. Right? Let's be real. Okay, because participant ribbons are something that America gives. Okay, no, participant ribbons, you see I'm passionate about this. All right. A participant ribbon says that you can give wholehearted, you know, ho-hum effort and get rewarded for it. And that's not life. You know that. Okay, when you have work and everybody gets the same amount of bonus and they all work different levels, that's not fair to the person who really busted their tail and the person who did it, okay? I, I believe in rewarding according to effort. And I think God does that too, okay? There's, it's a, it's not, salvation is not a, a, it's a free gift, all right? But once you're saved, the God says, hey, by the good works, you'll, you'll gain favor with God, okay? There's a, there's a cause and effect thing. I will fear neighbor for you with me. You're all the staff, they come for me, okay? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, in my head with oil, which is a, which is a sign of blessing in the Old Testament, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And some of you need to hear the last verse, and it's, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because earth stinks right now. Okay? <laughs> I wanted to use a different word, but I can't say that in church. All right? I wrote into my Bible, as earthly pain is temporary. And that's what I love about a hard copy of my Bible is I, I just write all kinds of notes, and there are things that God speaks to me. But I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because earth stinks right now. I, I think all of us would be okay if Jesus came today. Amen? And be gone. So, all right. If you didn't have a good dad, I want you to think of somebody who was a father figure to you. It might have been a grandpa. It might have been an uncle, or it might have been a teacher. It might have somebody that that stepped in and they they lived the way that you want to live as a man. They 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 made a difference in your life. And again, this might sound harsh, but today, do your best to not spend this day thinking about what you did not or what you don't have, because you can just ruin the day. Our heart today as a church family is to look at the positive side of things, even though you might be going through something negative. There is something good about this day. Val says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let me be bummed and be in despair, right? No, let me rejoice and be glad. Remember the old song? This is the day. This is... Most of you didn't grow up in church then, so you're like, what are you talking about? Um, it's the new top 10 song. No, this is the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a mental thing. Yeah, life might be hard, but you know what? I'm going to choose to rejoice because there's something good about today. So you might make this statement to me. Well, I didn't have a good example. <laughs> Change that statement to a question. What example am I setting? Because okay, you can complain about, well, I just didn't have a good example. I didn't have a good example. But what example are you setting? Because it, it, God's not concerned with what example you didn't have. God's concerned with what example you are, man or women, all right? And, and am I going to be a good example Okay. We are really good as humans at playing the victim. We're the victim. It's a victim. It happened to me, happened to me, happened to me. And when you play the victim, you will never get over what you're facing if you play the victim. So you have to learn to play the victor, which you get up in the morning. You tell yourself, you know what? Yeah, this happened, but I'm not going to be victimized by it. I'm going I'm to get up and I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm not going to play the victim. I'm not going to play poor me because people that are... You ever been around somebody who just plays the victim all the time? It's always somebody else's fault. Some of you have employees like this and they drive you nuts, okay? It's like, and you can't fire them because it's America. Um, 
right? It's like you're just victim. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always, you're always blaming something. But what I love to be around is people who, life isn't perfect, but they will own that they caused part of the problem. Like, well, I did this. Yeah, yeah. I got pulled over by a cop. Well, I was going 180. You know, kind of, ca- kind of caused it. Matter of fact, next time you get pulled over, just thank the officer for doing his job. Okay, because if they never pulled anybody over, there would be all kinds of auto accidents, right? Think our law enforcement, okay? You set an example to somebody. You may not have had a good example to follow, but don't let that be an excuse to not be one. And that's the challenge for us today. Psalm 25, David continuing to write about how good God is. He says this in verse 8. He says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. Isn't that kind of cool? God instructs who? Sinners. People that aren't doing right. God instructs them in his ways, saying, hey, you can turn from your lifestyle. Life can be better. And he says he guides the humble in what is right. And he teaches them his way. And this morning I had something jump out at me that I didn't see before. Um, and it was, he guides the humble. That's why, you, know, you know why he guides the humble? Because pride won't be led. That was my this morning. Oh, I had to write it in my Bible. Pride won't be led. Pride refuses to lead or to, to be led. Pride always makes an excuse when somebody, a commanding officer or somebody in authority tells them differently. Pride won't. They're like, no, I, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. And, and if you have that tendency to not take instruction and you have to like argue it, then pride has set in. But what's he say? Does it say that God guides the prideful? No, it says he guides the humble. Somebody who's willing to say, hey, if you see an area in my life, let me know about it. Because I want to be the best I can be. I have people in our church family that when I speak, they have permission from me to talk to me. If I say anything that, that went sideways or that was taken wrong or could have been taken wrong or that was just outright crazy, that they can say, you know what? explain what you said because it didn't sound right. Okay, I have accountability because I want to speak the truth and I want to speak in a loving manner and I don't want to say anything that God doesn't want me to say from this pulpit. Music stand, if you're literal like me. Um, all right, so he guides the humble and knows what is right, teaches me. We, we love kids, okay? When, when we have a kid or a grandkid that just is teachable, like if you show them a different way to do it and they're like, oh, cool, thank you, all right? I, don't we like that? Because they're fun to teach. If you have an employee that's just willing to be taught, hey, show me how to do this because I'm not quite sure instead of a know-it-all who knows how to, but you know that they don't. You know that a know-it-all never does know-it-all? Right? Their know-it-all attitude is to try to cover what they don't know. And most of us see right through it. You know, nobody be, likes to be around a know-it-all or at least somebody who acts like a know-it-all. And it says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. So if you do what's right, if you do your best to keep his word, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. That means when you're doing your best to serve God and you mess up, that God will protect you. That God will love you through it. God will do what he needs to do to see you through the hard time. And I love that because God, he just wants you to try. He doesn't expect perfection. You might have had a dad who expected perfection, and you can do never, nothing good ever. Russ was telling the story about when he mowed his yard, that his dad wouldn't point out the good job he did. He'd point out the one blade of grass that he didn't get. And, and when you do that, that's the Ephesians 5 thing. It says, don't exasperate your kids. Okay, you have to have encouragement. I said, man, that looks great. Can I show you one thing? Man, next time, just, you know, there's a mohawk down there, and, 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 and you know, mohawks are cool. 
you know, but on the yard, they look a little funny. And, and you can say, hey, man, we could play like, you know, badminton over that mohawk. You could find some way to say that's the best mohawk I've ever seen. Then you'll have mohawks all over the yard. So don't encourage that kind of behavior. Um, I know Laura Hendricks love mo- loves mohawks um, in her yard. One of these nights, I'm going to sneak over to your house and just make a big old one right down the yard. Uh, all right. So, so look for, I, I have it written somewhere. I've never really told you much of this, but, but look, for, look for a reason to brag on people. Find ways to brag on someone. Just do that. People, people will, you'll, you'll get somebody's attention if you brag on what they do right instead of point out what they're doing wrong all the time. Again, as parents, we do have to deal with the wrong, but we need to, to saturate it with a lot of encouragement. Because I know this, when somebody is encouraging to me, I will take their criticism a lot better. Because I know they love me. They've, they've laid the foundation of, of love and encouragement. And then I'm open to some constructive criticism. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, forgive my sins, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the ways chosen for him. We've seen these key words, okay? We're seeing guide, we're seeing instruct, we're seeing lead. And as adults, that's what we're supposed to do. Teenagers, okay? You're not off the hook here. You lead somebody. Teenagers, you, you influence somebody. Let it be a good one. Let you be the one that, that stands against what's going to go down wrong. Let you be the one that says, no, we shouldn't be doing this. You might get ridiculed for it, but let me tell you something. God in heaven will look down and smile and say, now that's, that's somebody that's going to follow me. They don't care where the crowd's going. They want to follow me. They want to do what's right. You see, our behavior, and as, as dads, as Father's Day, as behavior as dads, and really as people, sets the compass heading and the direction for our kids. We're talking about the family here. As a dad, we do set the compass heading. We, suit, we do set the direction for where our family is going. An example if a dad breaks the law, the son is likely going to follow suit. If a dad, not just one time, but I mean has a habit of breaking laws, kids will follow that direction. Okay? We all know of families, and we know of the, the grandparents, the, the parents, kids, grandkids. And we've seen a life, I've seen a life of drug addicts, of alcoholics, of just sinful behavior just follow down this family. And you're like, okay, somebody's got to break that cycle. Somebody's got to break the chain. And on the opposite, I've also seen a family blessing. Where the family did serve God, they did serve people, they loved people, they respected people, and that flows down through that family. The question I have is, is what is flowing out of you? I'm not asking what flowed out of your parents. What's flowed out of you? What example are you setting? Okay, I, I want your kids to be able to say, you know what? My dad didn't have a good example, but I sure can't say that. Because my dad was awesome. And he didn't have a great role model to look at, but he changed something. He changed his life, and, and Jesus came into his life, and things changed. I say this story that likely a son will follow in the footpaths of his dad. Um, I stood by that exit sign several years back, and we had our zone open, and there was a, a man who I believe just got out of jail, and he came to pick up his kid from the zone, and he was bragging to me about how he was showing his son, who was probably 9 or 10, how to shut the power off in subdivisions in CUNA. He was bragging, like, yeah, we cut the block, and I showed him how to, to flip these switches and shut power off and all of the stuff. And I'm like, you got to be joking me, right? You're talking to the priest, you know, right. pastor, right? I'm like, and he was just talking about how funny it was. And, I, and in my mind, I'm going, you're teaching your kid how to shut the power off to subdivisions? And you think it's funny. I mean, it, not, no consideration for how it was affecting families, 
No consideration for what it might do. He just, he was setting this example for his kid. And I don't know where he's at today. It would not surprise me if he was back in jail, if his kid wasn't doing what's right, because he was setting this weird pattern and, and telling me about it. You know, isn't it weird when you tell your pastor your stupidness? I mean, you're pretty brazen if you're telling your pastor that. You know, I mean, I was, I guess, his own pastor, but um, he didn't come to church. But I was just like, man, you're, you're setting a terrible example. Not only that, you could get your kid killed by electrocution. I mean, you know, kids aren't smart enough to know that type of thing. But anyway, it was just a really strange event that happened. So you said intentional examples. And we also set unintentional examples. We do things that we maybe unintend to, to teach our kids something. Like, uh, hey, Tra- where's my son Travis? He's back there. Travis, whatever you do, don't ever drink out of an unmarked water bottle, okay? I just don't want you to do it, son. It's bad. You'll go straight to hell if you ever drink out of a bottle that doesn't have a label on it. Are we clear, buddy? Yes, sir. Good. So you want to hear don't ever drink out of a bottle without a label. All right. You guys see what I'm doing here? Yeah. Telling him, but doing something. It's hard to tell our kids not to do something if we're doing it. So if you don't want your kids to struggle with certain things, then do your best not to do those certain things. Okay? The best that we possibly can. Some things aren't even sinful. Okay? Some things are just bad habits. So with that, if you don't want your kids to do it, you shouldn't be doing it either. How we treat people, I believe, is taught by our parents. Okay, um, I, I'm sick of hearing all about it because it's on the news all the time, but we need to talk about it in church, and that's racism. Okay, it's taught by how we talk about or treat other people. My example, growing up, I was born, most of you know, on, a, on an Indian reservation in Northern California. And I, was, I lived off the reservation, but I was born on the reservation. And, and most of my friends were Native American. Um, I had a small school, about 80, 90 kids in it, a town of 400 people. That's like a quarter of the town. Okay, and I had Hispanic friends, I had, I had Native American friends, and I had a black friend named Jenny who could beat everybody in sprinting. She was like the sweetest girl, but she kicked everybody's tail. Like I was jealous. Like she was awesome. And, and so I had a very mixture of friends. But let me tell you something. I didn't know what racism was. I didn't know. They were my friends. They were different color than me, but I never ever thought about, oh, this is weird. They were my friends. They were my schoolmates. I never, I don't even know if I heard the word racism because I didn't know what it was. We were humans and one was faster than me. You know, she's pretty cute too. Um, you know, sweet, sweet girl. And, and so racism wasn't a thing. You know why? Because my parents weren't racists. My parents didn't teach me that racism was saying they like, we're supposed to love everybody regardless of your skin color. Okay, behavior is something that we can deal with. But as far as who you were born into as a family, I didn't even know that it existed. Why is that? Because I had parents that said, we're supposed to love everybody. Like I said on my Facebook post, and I didn't actually go back and read it, but we used to sing the song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious. I don't, like I said, is that even legal to sing anymore? I, I don't know. But I sure hope nobody gets offended because the whole point of the song is to teach that it doesn't matter what your skin color is, Jesus loves you. He loves us all the same. Have you noticed that whites were the last one listed? That's kind of funny to me. I'm like, wait, wait, red and yellow, black and white. Okay, I'm the last one listed. But in God's eyes, he doesn't see color. He doesn't see color. He sees behavior. 
right? And as a church, man, we teach that. Man, we love, we got to love everybody. And as a kid, I was taught that God loved everybody regardless of skin color. So I didn't grow up in a home that thought, oh, they're a different color than me. I should avoid. That's not, what I'm telling you is that I think racism is something that's taught. And we have to anti-teach it. We have to teach the other direction that God loves us all. So we teach respect and we teach love for other people. The craziness in our world really stems from a breakdown in the family. And I had this written, I think on Monday or Tuesday, and then I saw an interview with Denzel Washington, okay, who was a cool guy, and and he said the same thing. So if Denzel says what I said, then it's got to be right. Right? I mean, because he didn't read my notes. I didn't send them to him for, you know, editing. Uh, And I thought, how cool is that? That he said the same thing. It's a breakdown of the family. That we're just not teaching the things that we need to teach. Uh, Other countries, okay? If you're in the military, you've experienced it more than me. If you travel overseas, in other countries, kids are taught to hate Americans. And they've never even met Americans. But they're taught hatred toward infidels. They're taught hatred towards Americans. And and you've got to say, okay, those kids are taught something that's not true. And, and America, again, is feeding a lot of those third world countries, and we're sending tons of aid. America is blessed because Americans are generous. And you need to be proud of that, okay? I'm proud of our flag. I'm proud of who we stand for as a country. Uh, we are one nation under God. That's how our country started. Don't let anybody ever tell you opposite, okay? We, we need, God is, is the only one that's protecting our country from a lot of bad things, I believe. But here's in today's America. If you're not taught respect for others... That you think it's okay to burn someone else's business down just because you're mad at something else. And that's wrong. Okay? That's a wrong thing. That's not a respect for somebody that, that has built, you know, uh, a business and, and lost it because somebody was mad at an injustice. I'm not saying they can't be mad at an injustice, but to destroy someone else's property is just a lasting respect. Protest all you need to, but don't destroy stuff. Right? I mean, there's pro- I'm glad I live in America where I have the right and the freedom to protest something that I feel is unfair. I, I protested our water bill for the church. Okay? I didn't do it online. Who, whose water bill went up in CUNY? You live in CUNY? Whose water bill went up? Who's a little bit mad about that? <laughs> My hand never moved. You see that? Uh, our water bill went from like 180 bucks a month to 530 a month. Yeah, and we used less water. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out, cowboy. Um, not cowboy, it was a city council. I probably shouldn't be saying this online, but I am. Um, that, that there was, and to me, that was an injustice. It was like, and then COVID hit. We weren't even here. We used like 3,000 gallons of water. And, and yet our bill went way up. Well, because the mayor's my friend, the mayor is born again. I love Mayor Steer. I mean, he does a good job. I was able to text him, okay? And he texted me back. He said, hey, let me check into it. That's what kind of mayor we have is, is I can just personally say, hey, here's what this is, is. What's up with this? Let me check into our water bill actually went down a little bit this last month. Okay. I am thankful that I live in a country where I can protest something like a water bill, have the leader of a community get right back with me and said, Hey, let me, let me look into it for you. I mean, that's cool to me. It wasn't like get over it, buttercup. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, So if you hear negative things about our mayor, you need to understand I've known him for 20 some years that we've lived here. He's a fair man. He loves Jesus, okay, and he does what's right. And he's in a he's in a position that's not easy, okay, as a leader. Um, and but but I appreciate the fact that I can protest something like a water bill, and and get something resolved. That's a good country, right? When you can talk to the leader like that, and they'll get back with you. So, anyways, uh, as adults, we combat disrespect by talking about it. We combat disrespect by respecting. 
when you drive by a police officer, you may not agree with every police officer. I don't always agree with every police officer. Okay, there's some, some police officers that shouldn't be police officers. There's some pastors that should not be pastors. Okay? We all know that, but it's a very, very few. But we can't go, like when we're driving, oh, there's a cop. Okay, what does that teach our kids? Oh, there's something bad. We can't do that. We might inadvertently do it. Okay? Most of y'all hit your brake when you see one. Let me tell you something. They notice that. Okay? That's like an admission of guilt right there. You set that cruise control and just keep it going. You wave if you need to. All right? Um, so, anyhow, respect is taught. Okay? You don't... There's, there's some... Let me say, I'm going to say, there's some bad dads in the world, but it doesn't make every dad bad. All right? So, we need to understand that the respect thing is huge. Okay? So, kids are listening. All right, here's some things my dad taught me. Uh, number one, loving God has to be your priority. God, loving God has to be your priority. I, I saw my parents model this. They still model this. And when, when your heart with God is in the right place, most everything else falls into the right place. My parents taught us tithing from little kids, and, and it's not a struggle now. Matter of fact, I'm afraid if I don't. Like, it's not something I went, oh, I forgot to tithe. No, it's like, this is, I, we just do it. And I'm thankful that my parents modeled that. Number two, honor and respect females, especially your mom. Okay. How was I taught this? It was an age where I was nine or ten that I started back talking. My mom pretty pretty good, and my dad worked in the woods all day. He would get home and must have, they must have talked uh, because my dad sat me down one day. He says, "Stan, he goes the next time you back talk your mom, she's going to slap you in the face." I tried it twice. It worked twice. The second time I, uh, off the old commercial, if you're old enough, it was thanks, I needed that. I actually said that to her after she slapped me in the face. Um, I think it was an aftershave commercial a long time ago, back in the late 70s. And, uh, and, and it worked. But what did my dad do? He was fair. Okay, my dad was fair. He said, here's a problem, and here's going to be the solution if you don't stop. And if you try it, this is what she's going to do to you. And if you react back, boy, you're going to be worse than a slap, right? And so, I, again, I, my mom was here, and she remembers doing it, okay? And I'm sure it was probably hard for my mom to do it. Well, maybe not, because um, back talkers, and, and it happened, okay? But what, what did my dad do? He, he's taught me that you respect women. You respect them. You honor them. You cherish them. You do the best you can to, to respect them. And I'm afraid with today's society that we don't respect women like we should. Okay, we, we look at them as just something to be used, and that's so, so opposite of what God wants. So men, we are to teach respect for the ladies in our lives. Okay, a man that respects his mom is a man, is a man that's going to respect his wife. Right. So ladies, if you see a guy that you're interested in disrespecting his mom, get out of there, man. Pound sand, right? Don't Because he's probably not going to change, all right? And all the single guys are like, wait, wait, no, I'm just, well, okay, your attitude just changed. Um, carries over into marriage. Be honest. Third thing, be honest. Be honest. Don't lie about stuff. And if you did it, just confess it. Okay, just be honest about it. Uh, my dad said you were honorary, but you were always honest about it. Did you break that window? Yep. <laughs> What'd you use? A rock. Did you put rocks in my gas tank? Yep. I did that. Um, I, I did a lot of things. Some things I haven't told you about yet. Um, but be honest. Okay, the other thing was keep your word. Keep your word. Do what you say what you will do, even if it costs you. Okay, you give your word. And I've seen my dad. It cost him money when he gave his word. And he just went ahead and did it. And, and that's how my dad lived. Okay, fifth thing is work hard and be on time. Be on time. Okay, and on time isn't when, 
when you got a clock in. On time is a little bit early. That's my definition of on time. Okay, let's it's get there a little bit early. Work hard, be on time, be worth your wages. And the sixth thing is if someone needs help, help them. Help them. My dad modeled helping people. Like he owned a logging company in our town, employed a lot of people. But I saw my dad do stuff for people that cost him whether it was a new pair of boots for a guy who couldn't afford them. My dad just lived that. And he had a huge respect in our town because he was known as a man of God, a man of integrity, a man of hard, a hard worker. And he paid more than everybody else. So he kept, he kept good employees. Okay? That, that's what I saw. I saw my mom and my dad love each other respect each other, honor each other. And again, if you didn't see that, be that. Okay? Maybe that's the only thing you need to hear from this. If you don't see it, be it. Be what you need to be. So I want to read a, a story written by a guy before we close here, because I know there's probably barbecues going on. I think we got something going on. My mom's cooking. I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, this is, song was written by, by, or sung anyway, by a guy named Steve Chapman, Stephen Annie Chapman. And it's a true story, and he writes it in a, a devotional book that I have. He says, uh, he says this. It's called I Want to Go with My Daddy. He says, it was a heart-wrenching sight to see when my buddy and I pulled out of his driveway and looked back. There in the driveway, resting in his mother's arms, was his little boy dressed in camo pajamas with one of the saddest faces I've ever seen. Tears were streaming down his tender face as he watched his dad head off to hunt without him. My friend tentatively pressed the gas pedal. He looked over me with a pained expression. Ouch, was all he said. After a moment or two of gathering his composure, he said, the minute his mama says it's okay for him to go with me, he'll be in this truck to go hunting with me. The little boy in the driveway was living proof of an age-old fact. There is an amazing and mysterious longing that most children have that make them want to go where they see their dads go. It seems, for example, there are countless kids who observe the vocational direction their fathers took and have chosen to follow in their footsteps. Think about it. Do the Andretti boys drive race cars? Or the Bush boys in politics? And how many of the Billy Graham kids are in ministry? And how many more Manning boys out there who can throw footballs? If children seem to have such a draw to follow the paths of their fathers, does it not encourage us as men to consider carefully where we are going and is this not true especially when it comes to where we're headed in the terms of eternity it's a sobering thought that one day down the road of time we'll turn around to see the morale i'm sorry the moral and spiritual steps we placed on the sands of our years are the very tracks that our kids will be following do you need to reconsider the direction you're going in light of the possibility that will be the same destination that your kids head toward there's a father in Texas named Herman who would agree. It was his nephew in Alabama who told me this um, story of his uncle's changing ways. Herman's story is in this song that I share in my concert. So here's a, this is a true story. And he wrote a song about it. He hid behind his Sunday morning paper, his little boy behind a box of Cheerios. She poured some coffee and thought about church, where their family never goes. And when she brought it up, he said, I won't be going. I guess I'm headed to the place made for folks like me. And then she asked their little boy across the table, would you like to go to church with me? <laughs> and he said, I want to go with my daddy to the place he said was made for him. That's what I want to do because I love my daddy. And wherever he's going, I want to go there too. Well, he never heard any words that cut him deeper and he couldn't hide the tears in his face. And she said, if we hurry, we can make it. 
and he had a change of destination that day. If this wasn't true, I wouldn't cry. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, I've cried enough the last several Sundays. Now they can sing Amazing Grace together, and he can smile when he hears his little boy say, I want to go with my daddy to the place that is made for him, because that's what I want to do, because I love my daddy, and wherever he's going, I want to go there too. What a great story, huh? of a man who recognized a need in his life that his boy would end up where he ended up. Okay. And he knew at that point that he would end up in hell. And so he changed directions. And so my question for you today is, do you know where you're headed? Do you know where your destination is? The Bible says there's a heaven and there's a hell, and that's the only, there's only two choices that if we give our lives to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us because he loved us, because God the Father loved you so much, he loved me so much, despite my mistakes, despite my sin, that he sent his son to die for me so that I could go to heaven for free. All I have to do is ask him to be the Lord of my life, amen, to change directions. So it doesn't matter really where you've been, it matters where you're going. It doesn't matter what you've done, it matters what you're doing. What example are you setting? And if that's you today, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not going to force you. All I can do is lead and all I can do is guide. But we have to make a decision, a conscious decision, because hell is the default destination. If you don't make a decision about Christ, you make a decision to reject him. And the Bible says that we pay for our sins for eternity in hell if we reject what Jesus did. I would rather just say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that. And because of that, he took my sins on the cross. Now that's what a loving father does, sacrifice everything, right? Some of us know of that kind of sacrifice. We sacrifice everything. That's why I have such a high respect for our military, for our police officers, for our firefighters, is because they know every day they could take a bullet. Every day a burning house could fall on them. We owe them our respect. We owe them the, 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 the realization that they do what they do to protect us. Amen? And that's why, like I said, the flag means a lot to me because of my church family, because of my personal family who would be willing to give their life for me. And that's what Jesus did for us. He gave his life for us. So if you bow your heads with me just for a moment, where are you at today with the Lord? Where are you at? Where's your heart? And all I can do is say, God loves you so much. He's a father that just wants you to come home. If, you, if you're not, if you're so far away from him, he just wants you to come home. And here's how we do it here. We don't point anybody out. We don't embarrass anybody because that's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to simply ask a question and wait for a response. And if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, you need this forgiveness I'm talking about, I'm just going to ask you just to lift your hand up quickly where I can see it. And we pray together as a family, but is there anybody in this place that right now you don't know where you would end up if you died? Is anybody that needs to give their heart to Jesus today? If you just lift your hand up where I can see it. I'm not going to take a long time, but if there's somebody here, okay. All right, I'm not seeing any hands. I hope that means we're all going. Amen? Because if the rapture happened in the next minute, you would become the preacher and the pastor of this church. Amen? You'd be like, I should have listened. Amen? But I hope that means we're all right with the Lord. Amen. It's so good just to be right with Jesus. And again, if, you're, if you've had a rough, if today's rough for you, I'm sorry, but I want you to know something from me, okay, that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you are as a man, who you are as a woman. I'm proud of you for being here today. 
I'm proud of you for trying to do the best you can to get up and keep swinging the bat. Just do the best you can. I'm, as your pastor, as your friend, I'm proud of you for that. I'm proud of you. I really am because I wouldn't want to do life without you guys. Amen. Do the best you can. All right. Well, now we have some dad awards that we're going to give out. This is one of the funnest parts of today. Um, before we get into this, I need you to do something. And I need you to raise your right hand and tell me that you will not be offended at anything you might hear out of my mouth. Because these are designed to be funny, not offensive. Okay? Please. Some of you are like, no, I want to be offended at something. I'm, okay. There's been enough offense in our world today. All right. I need honesty. And uh, when we talk about blended families here too, not just maybe kids that you father, but if, if it's a blended family, they count. So how many have the most kids? I mean, a, a father here that has the most kids. Okay, five? Six? I hear seven? Six? Six? Scott, you're the big hunk winner. The big hunk. All right. Okay, now we have the techie dad. Is Matt, is Matt Vine upstairs? He's upstairs. Matt Vine, you looked like the guy in the video. Um, so you get the nerds award, the nerds award. All right, we'll get that to you. Okay, I need the oldest dad. Who's the oldest? You got to be honest with this. 71, do I have 72? 72, 72, 72, 73, 71? Yeah, that's young. Oh, wait, Wayne, how old are you? 75. I think you are the winner. 100 grand you win because you paid out the most money as a father. <clears throat> okay, now I need the oldest guy to father a child. Like, how old were you when you fathered a child? I, I need... Was anybody 40? 42? Okay. Anybody older than 42 when they fathered a child? Okay, you get the Laffy Taffy Award, because that's pretty funny. All right. Okay, this question is to, is to a man. You married to a, a spicy wife... I'm thinking Garrett might qualify here. I'm looking back, and I'm just going to give it to you, bro, because hot tamales, baby. I get to name it because there's a husband that got in trouble first service for actually calling his wife out. Um, so who's, is there another spicy wife? Lexi? Because I have another hot tamales. I don't know if you can claim yourself. Reed, would you agree? Oh, yeah, okay. She was all right. That happens to me, my second daughter, by the way. Um, all right, now I need, some, I need some honesty here. Who this last week had an error in softball, church softball games? You have to admit that you made an error. Cameron? Okay, my son-in-law, Cameron, you win the Butterfingers Award. Um, that's great. Okay, newest dad, newest dad. You have like the youngest baby. Okay. Newest dad. I don't know if Pastor Chase would qualify. How old's, how old's, how many? 13 months. Does anybody have one younger than that? Wow, y'all need to get busy. Um, I think he won it last time. Okay, he gets a Snickers award that you actually fathered a child. I'm just reading what I wrote. 
All right, now we're looking at the biggest age gap between husband and wife. 10 years? 10 years, you have 10 year. 10 years, there's no bigger age gap than 10? It's really not that much. Huh? 10? All right. Well, you'll become the sugar daddy, Jeff, which is uh, babies. All right. Now, let's see. They always win. The, I'm going to see if there's anybody else who met in a bar besides Matt and Lisa. Is it, did anybody else besides Matt and Lisa meet in a bar? Okay, it's a Mr. Good Bar, because that was a good bar, right? You've got to... We did have a winner for service, though, so you're not alone. All right, biggest age gap in kids, like oldest kid to youngest kid, what, how many years? I discovered first service, my parents actually had this. It was 16 years between my oldest brother and my sister, but they never claimed it. 17 years between kids? You're just the winner of all kinds of candy today. Um, kid, that's the winner. How many years between you and J4? 18 years? Between you and Luke? Yeah. Okay. Have some now, have some later. Um, oh, Jennifer, okay, well then give it to the least family because they're getting plenty of kids today. All right. All right. Married, you're going to have to tell on your wife. Married to the wife who gets her hair dyed the most. Like, it's always dying here. Reed's raising his hand very high. I just, but she does it. I'm not sure that counts. What's that? Every five weeks. Is she here? She's, yeah, she's out next door. <laughs> All right, well, you get the Airhead Award. Um, <laughs> okay, so I need a, the ring pop. Okay, you're a, a single male. Uh, engaged or looking to be engaged. So, Jennifer, how is your, who's the oldest? Ben? Ben, go ahead and give Ben the ring pop because this is the biggest rock. I don't know. I don't know if you're looking, Ben, but when she walks in the door, you'll be ready. You'll be ready, okay? Okay, so, the score... Oh, once again, Stan Johnson. Where's my beautiful wife at? Baby, all right. I got two, I got two awards. So Morgan Swan is here. She's our friend from, she gets the I Find CLC stickers more than anybody. She sends me pictures all the time of you guys driving around town because you got nothing else to do, breaking COVID laws. And she's like, another CLC sticker. She, she is like the queen. So she actually wins a coffee car. She's sitting right next to you. But... Anyways, babes, uh, for my wife, I thank her for allowing me to be a father. Ladies, because without you, we wouldn't accomplish that. Uh, so thanks for being patient with us. Thank you for loving us through our stuff. Thank you for being patient with our blunders and our mistakes. Ladies, thank you for your encouragement uh, to make Father's Day what it can be. Amen. And that's something that's good. And uh, thank you for being an example. Again, if you're raising kids and you're a single parent, but just good job. Keep doing it because you don't know how hard it is until your spouse goes away for a week. 
and you're like, this stinks, like this is hard. And so if you feel unappreciated, just leave the child with him for like you know, a day or two or three um, and appreciation will be gained. But anyways, you guys are amazing in my eyes. Thank you so much for being a part of this church family. Uh, we love you, it's 1221, you still have time for a barbecue and uh, God bless you. See you Wednesday night, have a great day. If you are, men, 18 and up, men, 18 and up, there's a Snickers bar for you on the way out. I will not tell you, you don't have to share it with your wife if you're married, but it would be a very good idea if she's hungry. Uh, God bless you. Uh, Mr. Wayne will give you one as you walk out the door. Have a great day. Thanks for coming.